Friends, if you take your Bibles and if you're using the one in the seat in front of you there, it's page 949, but it's the book of Malachi. Malachi. Now I do apologise for not having enough copies of last week's notes when we were last together but I've got some more and I'll put those on that end of the table here and then notes for study two will be at this end of the table after the service. (coughs) Now just keep your Bibles open at that place. We'll read from it in a moment. But we're studying the book of Malachi which actually addresses questions that arise when faith in God is put under pressure. Where is God when it really counts? And uh, what sort of God is he? And what will he do when it all starts to get too much for us? And last week, we considered the title of the book and then the introduction in verses 2 to 5 of chapter 1 where Malachi set the foundation for his message from God and it might be helpful if we just look at the main points from our study last week. The book has a message for disillusioned and discouraged people who had passed through tough times when many lost their faith. Yet God spoke to his people again, this time through Malachi. And God still loved his people even though their faith failed. And God still remembered his covenants, being faithful in granting blessings but also in bringing curses. And God still reigned in the world despite the failures of his people. Now it's interesting that all of those points are about God. Not so much about the failing, discouraged people. It's important as we read the rest of the book, which does talk about people, that the book is primarily about God, the kind of God he is. Well now in this study we cover the section in the text from chapter 1 verse 6 through to chapter 2 verse 16 and our title for today is Leaders and Followers, Some Straight Talking. The passage does have two parts, chapter 1 verse 6 down to chapter 2 verse 9 where Malachi writes about the failures of the leaders. And then in chapter 2, 10 to 16, the focus is on the failures of the people who were, of course, the followers of the leaders. So we come to the first main section today, the failures of the priests. Now let's read the part of the Bible that applies here. Chapter 1, starting at verse 6. A son honours his father and a servant his master. And God is speaking and he says, If I am a father, where is the honour due to me? 
If I am a master, where is the respect due to me? Says the Lord Almighty. It is you, O priests, who show contempt for my name. But you ask, how have we shown contempt for your name? You place defiled food on my altar. But you ask, how have we defiled you? By saying that the Lord's table is contemptible. When you bring blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice crippled or diseased animals, is that not wrong? Try offering them to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you? Says the Lord Almighty. Now implore God to be gracious to us. With such offerings from your hands, will he accept you? Says the Lord Almighty. Oh, that one of you would shut the temple doors so that you would not light useless fires on my altar. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord Almighty, and I will accept no offerings from your hands. My name will be great among the nations from the rising to the setting of the sun. In every place incense and pure offerings will be brought to my name because my name will be great among the nations says the Lord Almighty. But you profane it by saying of the Lord's table, it is defiled, and of its food it is contemptible. And you say, what a burden, and you sniff at it contemptuously, says the Lord Almighty. When you bring injured, crippled or diseased animals and offer them as sacrifices, should I accept them from your hands, says the Lord? Cursed is the cheat who has an acceptable male in his flock and vows to give it, but then sacrifices a blemished animal to the Lord. For I am a great king, says the Lord Almighty, and my name is to be feared among the nations. Chapter 2. And now this admonition is for you, O priests. If you do not listen and if you do not set your heart to honour my name, says the Lord Almighty, I will send a curse upon you and I will curse your blessings. Yes, I have already cursed them because you have not set your heart to honour me. Because of you I will rebuke your descendants. I will spread on your faces the offal from your festival sacrifices and you'll be carried off with it. And you will know that I have sent you this admonition so that my covenant with Levi may continue, says the Lord Almighty. My covenant was with him, a covenant of life and peace and I gave them to him. This called for reverence, and he revered me and stood in awe of my name. True instruction was in his mouth, and nothing false was found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness and turned many from sin. For the lips of a priest ought to preserve knowledge, and from his mouth men should seek instruction. 
because he is the messenger of the Lord Almighty. But you have turned from the way and by your teaching have caused many to stumble. You have violated the covenant with Levi, says the Lord Almighty. So I have caused you to be despised and humiliated before all the people because you have not followed my ways but have shown partiality in matters of the law. Before we look at that passage, let us pray. Father, as we come together round your holy word, may our hearts and minds be open and your voice be heard. And may the Holy Spirit guide us to your truth, we pray. Help us to respond with gladness. Trust you and obey. Israel's priests were responsible for the worship of God and the observance of his laws. They also made legal decisions when disputes were brought to them and they provided instruction and guidance in the affairs of the nation. The priests were in a number of ways leaders of God's people. Now in verse 6 of chapter 1 Malachi introduced a sensitive issue by first stating a truth that both the priests and the people would agree with. In Jewish culture, a son honoured his father and servants respected their masters. The people would agree with that. But then Malachi states God's complaint which completely reversed the situation. What did he say? It was God who said it is you O priests who show contempt for my name. Now contempt is the exact opposite of honour and respect. Malachi again used that statement response style that we mentioned last week in making his point here. That was the statement and the priests respond in the form of a question. How have we shown contempt for your name? Now no doubt there were many cases that could have been cited but God selected just two key examples in verse 7 of chapter 1 he said you place defiled food on my altar and then in chapter 2 verse 8 the second point was by your teaching you have caused many to stumble now we'll look at each of these a little more carefully the first one chapter 1 verse 7 you place defiled food on my altar. Now Israel's various animal sacrifices are described in the book of Leviticus. And God said to Moses in Leviticus chapter 2 and verse 20, do not bring anything with a defect because it will not be accepted. But animals with defects were being offered 
Now maybe the people thought such animals were going to die anyway so why not take them to the priest to be killed and then burned on the altar? Sadly the priests accepted those unacceptable sacrifices. Now in verse 8, look at it in the the Bible there, the point is made that such offerings would not be acceptable to the Persian governor who ruled over them and yet they offer such sacrifices to God. In verse 10, God indicated that it would be better to shut the temple and not make any sacrifices than to continue with a blatant disregard of his laws. Now God's forgiveness required a sacrifice that he would accept. Now actually that was pointing to the eventual coming of the perfect sacrifice in the promised Messiah. But at this point in Malachi, God says he would not accept their sacrifices. So the people remained unforgiven. They remained at odds with God. And in verse 14, God condemned their hypocrisy in pretending to obey his laws when actually they were being disobedient. These people thought that God's requirements could be changed to suit their fancies. Well now this section began at chapter 1 verse 6 and there God is mentioned as a father and a master. And in verse 14 he is described as a great king. Now we put those two together. He was a father to be honoured, a master to be respected and a king to be obeyed. But by accepting and offering inappropriate sacrifices, the priests had failed in their responsibilities as leaders of God's people. But there's more. Moving into chapter 2, Malachi described how the blessings priests would normally experience for their faithfulness in service had already been turned into curses. In verse 3, throwing out the unwanted internals of the sacrificed animals onto the rubbish heap was a graphic picture of what life was going to be like for those priests. It would be like living on the tip. And in verses 4 to 6, Levi enters the story. He had lived a long time before But life for him was very different. Now initially Jacob had pronounced a curse upon him. Genesis 49. But subsequently, many generations later, God blessed the descendants of Levi for their faithful service in the temple. 
So for Levi, initial curse gave way to subsequent blessing. But for the priests of Malachi's time, blessings had been turned into curses. God is faithful to his covenants. Now it was essential to acknowledge that God is unchangeably God. His people must honour, respect and obey him and his laws cannot be disregarded. Now the second example that was used regarding the failings of the leaders. Chapter 2 verse 8. By your teaching you've caused many to stumble. Now in verse 7 God stated that priests had to be faithful in preserving knowledge and giving instruction because they were messengers of the Lord Almighty. That is an enormous privilege but it is a tremendous responsibility. And what happened in Malachi's time? Verse 8 gives us the sad story. You have turned from the way and by your teaching have caused many to stumble. You have violated the covenant. Scripture is God's revelation to humankind of who he is and what he has done. And his people must not neglect that written record. Malachi's words were not directed to pagan unbelievers but to God's own people. And when their leaders failed, the faith of those people was in great danger. It remains true in our day. The failures of the priests. Now we move on to the failures of the people who were the followers. Chapter 2, verses 10 to 16. We'll read the passage first. Verse 10 Have we not all one Father? Did not one God create us? Why do we profane the covenant of our fathers by breaking faith with one another? Judah has broken faith. A detestable thing has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. Judah has desecrated the sanctuary the Lord loves by marrying the daughter of a foreign god. As for the man who does this, whoever he may be, may the Lord cut him off from the tents of Jacob, even though he brings offerings to the Lord Almighty. Another thing you do, you flood the Lord's altar with tears. You weep and wail because he no longer pays attention to your offerings or accepts them with pleasure from your hands. You ask, why? It is because the Lord is acting as the witness between you and the wife of your youth because you have broken faith with her, though she is your partner the wife of your marriage covenant. Has not the Lord made them one 
in flesh and spirit they are his and why one because he was seeking godly offspring so guard yourself in your spirit and do not break faith with the wife of your youth I hate divorce says the Lord God of Israel and I hate a man's covering himself with violence as well as with his garment says the Lord Almighty so guard yourself in your spirit and do not break faith now Malachi here adopts a similar outline to what he used in the previous section he asks two questions knowing that the people will agree and give the same answer as he is thinking of Have we not one Father? Yes, of course that's true. Did not one God create us? Of course that's true. The people of Israel knew that both their ancient beginning and their subsequent history were actually the outworking of God's plan for them. He was their creator and their father. And this implied a unique relationship between God and his created people. As both creator and father, of course he had every right to determine the terms and conditions of those covenants. It was the people's duty to accept and obey. Covenants define relationships now God's purpose for his people set a kind of framework within which the people could interact with one another to further God's purposes for them but there were many times when they acted in ways that did not work towards that end there were disputes amongst them and there were broken agreements. Now this lay behind what Malachi says in chapter 2 verse 10 in the form of a question. Well if those things are true, if God is our Father and our Creator, why do we profane the covenant? Where the verb profane means to misuse or defile or treat with contempt lack of honour and respect in dealing with one another people had acted contrary to their covenants so their actions were improper and therefore offensive and disrespectful of God well what is it that they did which profaned the covenant And Malachi again gives two examples. There were probably lots of others, but two will be enough. Chapter 2 verse 11. Judah has desecrated the sanctuary the Lord loves by marrying the daughter of a foreign god. That is, they broke covenants with God by distorting 
the use of their God-given sexuality. Example 1. Example 2 found in verse 14. You've broken faith with the wife of your marriage covenant. Now that's a covenant between people. They broke covenants with each other by twisting God's ways to suit their own ends. Now remember covenants were formal expressions of relationship and we've discovered two kinds. Covenants with God, covenants with people. Well let's look at these a little more carefully. The first one, Judah has broken faith. A detestable thing has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. Judah has desecrated the sanctuary the Lord loves by marrying the daughter of a foreign god. Now Judah was the little territory that was left of the original nation of Israel. And some of the men from Judah had married women from neighbouring cultures in which foreign gods were worshipped. And in doing this, the verse tells us they committed a detestable thing. Detestable means revolting or vile. And the consequences of that behaviour spread way beyond the couple involved. That kind of marriage desecrated the sanctuary the Lord loves. The temple was defiled and dishonoured and this brought disgrace upon God. That kind of marriage between two people had much wider implications than things related only to them. But what was condemned here was not marriage. What was condemned was marriage to the daughter of a foreign god. That is, a person who worshipped an idol. The practice seems to have been widespread among the people because other writers of scripture in the Old Testament refer to the same problem. Now the biblical view is that the context in which human love is expressed extends beyond the two people involved. It matters to God as well. In verse 12 of chapter 2 Malachi goes on to say that such people should be cut off from the tents of Jacob meaning they should be cut off from God's people. Now that sounds pretty severe to us. I mean the man did love the girl. He married the girl. But the outcome is he's going to be cut off from God's people. He loses his identity. How come? We really need now to move on to the second example that God gave. Chapter 2 verse 13. You weep and wail because the Lord no longer pays attention to your offerings. 
you have broken faith with the wife of your marriage covenant. These people thought they'd done a good thing when they presented their offerings, their faulty offerings to the Lord and then they were miffed because God didn't like it. And so they asked him why. And God gave the answer. The answer implies that these mixed marriages were common and some men had even divorced their Jewish wives so they could marry some of these foreign women. The practice had become accepted. In verse 14, the relationship of marriage is described as a person with person covenant with God as a witness. Verse 15, look at it, states that marriage was ordained by God. He made the couple one. And in flesh and spirit, body and soul, they are really his. And then the purpose of all that in God's plan in this covenant relationship was the expression of their God-given sexuality to produce godly offspring in partnership with the Father whose creative image they bore. But divorce broke the marriage covenant and left God's purposes open to ridicule. Now God loved his people. He loved them with an exclusive, loyal and consistent love. But he expected the same kind of love in return. His covenants were to be models of the covenants made between people and particularly for the marriage covenant which formalised the relationship of a man with a woman. That covenant was also to be characterised by exclusive, loyal and consistent love like that of the God who loved them and created them and chose them to be his own. That was God's purpose. But what had happened in Malachi's day into that intended covenant setting some had introduced another person who gave allegiance to another god little g-o-d and that broke the first commandment these people of Judah failed to grasp the full significance of covenants and made the disastrous error of trying to adapt God's laws to suit their own ends expecting God to overlook their hypocrisy when they presented their faulty offerings. No wonder Malachi plainly reminded these people twice in verse 15 and in verse 16 guard yourself in your spirit and do not break faith. Do not break covenants made with God. Do not break covenants made with people. 
Well now they're the two main sections in our reading today. Let's summarise what we've covered. First, about ineffective leaders. They failed to obey covenant requirements. They had a very low view of God. And second, they failed to teach the law. They neglected God's word. Now what about the disobedient people? They failed to understand their God-given sexuality and tangled up their marriages. They failed to follow God's ways and slid into ugly self-centredness. Well, you might say, oh, come on, that was way back in 450 BC. What about today? Well, we note that this book was written for God's people. Today we still have covenants. We have the new covenant and we view those unchanging principles of the Old Testament through the life, death and resurrection of Jesus as we've been doing this morning. We are to love the Lord, our God, with all our heart, mind, soul and strength and our neighbour as ourselves. And notice that covers both kinds of covenants, the with God kind and the with people kind. As God's people, our whole understanding of life is shaped by God's revelation of himself in the Bible. And this sets us strictly and starkly apart from others around us. And we need to understand the implications of that truth. There are two ways of living, two world views if you like. One includes God and the other does not. Now as in Malachi's time, so for us today, trying to mix those two world views ends in disaster. We must make up our choice which it will be and then be committed to that choice. Well, let's get a little more detail. To continue on as God's people and to successfully pass through times of adversity and disappointment and discouragement, we need godly leaders who instruct us faithfully in the word of God and model its teaching in their own lives. We must assess their work in the light of the Bible and we must gladly follow them as God's leaders. However, we must all remember that God is God and his purposes for the world and its people remain unchanged. He is always faithful to his covenant promises, granting both blessings and curses. But he does love his people and he speaks to them through his word and he reigns in the world however differently that may appear to be to us. We are called to be faithful to the commitments we make to each other. Families are part of God's plan for humanity. We bear his image and we are to express our God-given sexuality in that context modelling our love for others on the love of God for us. 
and building our families on the pattern of God's fatherhood and his family into which he has adopted us. With God's help, we must resolutely resist the insidious pressures of humanistic worldviews that want us to twist God's purposes to suit our own desires and thereby show contempt for God. In verse 16 God said he hates divorce and he also hates violence. Now they are two strategies often used to twist God's purposes to try and gain our self-centred ends. But Malachi's introduction was very important. God loves his people. He does not love some of the tricks they get up to to distort his ways. He is faithful and keeps his covenants and expects us to do likewise. He gives blessings when we obey. He may allow curses when we disobey for the purpose of awakening us to our need to review and perhaps renew our relationship with him. Now Malachi's word is not yet finished and next week we go on to the remainder of the book dealing with the coming of the Lord to complete God's plan for the world and its people. But before we leave today we should spend a moment thinking about today's passage because there's been some straight talking from God. We should take a moment to pray for our leaders to recommit ourselves our marriages, our families, our church family to God for the year that lies ahead of us. So just now a moment of silent meditation, reflection and prayer. Let us pray. To him who is able to keep us from falling and who will present us before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy to the only God our Saviour be glory, majesty, power and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.